Marvel Comics has a family of characters and even an entire realm based on Norse mythology. But how much do they actually have in common? Hi, I'm your host, Laura Taylor, and here with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Andrew Hook. Hello! Welcome to Digging Deeper with the Ancients. Today's topic is very different from previous ones for multiple reasons. Firstly, it doesn't involve archaeology. And in fact, even the written evidence on this topic is for much later, because the knowledge was primarily passed on through oral storytelling. Mm, Oral. Secondly, this week we're directly comparing pop culture to a historical topic instead of finding pop culture references to an ancient history topic. This is right in my wheelhouse. I'm ready for this episode. Yep. And finally, this is the first episode focused on a topic requested by our listeners. Yeah. So today we will be comparing the Marvel Cinematic Universe to ancient Norse mythology. We are specifically focusing on the MCU, not the comics, because including the comics would turn this into a separate series of its own. And this episode is already longer and more complicated than previous ones. And I've, I've got so many notes on other pop culture references, including the comics, So, but I'm only going to touch on those a little bit. There are just so many Marvel comics out there, and I personally haven't read a single one. Yeah, I've read very few myself. Yeah, it's rather sad that self-proclaimed pop culture nerds like us haven't read much Marvel comics. I've apologized almost every episode for not seeing something, so... (laughs) We've both read others, but I haven't read any Marvel. Also, in my defense, I'm mostly a movie person, and since I'm also a completionist, I would have to read all of the Marvel comics, (laughs) which would take a lifetime from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, the, the last time I actually collected any comics at all was when I was a kid, and it was the 1980s run of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is nowhere near the same Guardians of the Galaxy as there is right now. This is also just Marvel comics we're talking. This doesn't include DC, Dark Horse, and the thousands of other comics, graphic novels, manga, and other written pop culture. Ugh. It goes on a long time. So, we are going to stick to the MCU for now. So, let's start with the basics. First, what exactly is Norse mythology, and who were the Norse people? Norse mythology refers to Scandinavian mythology stemming from Norse paganism and reaching its height around the Viking Age, roughly 790 to 1100 AD, but was likely used long before then, although there is limited evidence since all the stories were par- were passed down orally, in multiple languages. <laughs> the first widely known written sources didn't occur until the 13th century, so we're talking hundreds of years afterwards. So, uh, thousands. The, uh, the 13th century, that's the 1200s, yes. right? Okay. So hundreds of years after the initial start. Right. Like the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> Scandinavia is a group of Northern European countries that have a common shared culture and history. For North Americans like us, think of the Northern areas of Europe, 
that have a similar climate to Canada. So it's here because we're uh, just so everyone knows we're in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is the northernmost capital in any province in Canada. Modern Scandinavia, like Canada, is well no- known for its snow, winter sports, and glaciers. So, like here. Exactly. Okay. But Europe. Yes. So they speak with accents. Different than our accents. <laughs> exactly. Everybody yeah. has an accent. Yeah. Many historians commonly associate the term Viking to the Scandinavian term for pirate. However, the term is meant to reference overseas expeditions and was used as a verb by the Scandinavian people for when the men traditionally took time out of their summers to go a Viking. So raiding nearby places for all sorts of resources, so, including so, people. So Viking is a verb. Viking was originally a verb. Okay. It's not, it's obviously not referred to it as now. <laughs> now it's a noun. During this time, the reach of the Scandinavian people extended to all corners of Northern Europe, and many other nations found Vikings raiding their coasts, and even inland cities as far away as Baghdad in central Iraq. Wow. Thousands Th- of kilometers that, away. That is very far away by water. Yep. Norse and Viking refer to the same Germanic people who settled in Scandinavia during the Viking Age and spoke the Old Norse language. Norse refers to Norsemen who were full-time traders, whereas Vikings refers to people who were actually farmers but were part-time warriors led by people of noble birth. This was more of a hobby of theirs, and, you know, when it's a hobby, you collect all sorts of things that yes, can make your hobby better. Yes, because we have many hobbies and we collect many things. Yeah. Right. Got it. Got it. We, we just do less pillaging. Exactly. So far. <laughs> Norse mythology consists of tales of various deities, beings, and heroes derived from numerous sources from both before and after the pagan period. Sources and evidence for Norse mythology include medieval manuscripts, archaeological representations, and folk tradition. So, why did the MCU base characters on Norse mythology? Well, it all started with Jack Kirby and Stan Lee making the original Marvel comic books. And if you don't know who they are, you definitely need to look them up, because they are the original creators of all things Marvel. And without them, Disney and Netflix would be much less interesting, especially Disney for adults. Anyways, the MCU was then based on the comics, although we really don't know if it was Stan Lee's or Jack Kirby's idea to use Norse mythology. We do know that in an interview discussing the reasons behind choosing Thor, Stan Lee said this, How do you make someone stronger than the strongest person? It finally came to me. Don't make him human. Make him a god. I decided readers were already pretty familiar with the Greek and Roman gods, and it might be fun to delve into the old Norse legends. Besides, I pictured Norse gods looking like Vikings of old, with the flowing beards, horned helmets, and battle clubs. Journey into Mystery, the comic he was working on at the time, needed a shot in the arm, so I picked Thor to headline the book. After writing an outline depicting the story and the characters I had in mind, I asked my brother Larry to write the script because I didn't have time and it was only natural for me to assign the penciling to Jack Kirby. So this quote leads us to believe it was all Stan's idea. Even though Jack Kirby had used Thor a couple of times in other comics and pub- and publications prior to that. 
Which is why I say that we really don't know whose idea it was initially. Not that it really matters anyway. The main point is that the Norse gods were chosen because the Greek and Roman gods and mythological creatures were more widely known by the general population, even back in the 60s. Using the Norse gods allowed them more freedom to create their own backstories and other characteristics without as much public backlash. Because at the end of the day, comics aren't about telling tales people are familiar with. They wanted to have creative freedom with the stories they produced, but still have some recognizable characters. That and also, uh, I believe DC were were already using the Greek gods. Yeah, DC was using some of them. They, (laughs) they They had Hercules. Norse mythology as a whole is about cycles of creation or birth and destruction and death which the Disney Plus show Loki did very well. There are multiple circular aspects from the individual scenes, like him in the time loop, to the entire first season being circular. Mm -hmm. So, like the MCU, there are nine realms in Norse mythology. Okay, now be prepared. This is where my lack of knowing how to pronounce things could come in. The nine realms are called Niflheim, which is the realm of fog and mist, Muspilhem, which is the home of the fire giant Surtur, seen in Thor Ragnarok. It doesn't say that's where they are, but that's where the fire right. That's where the fire giants live. So I'm making that assumption. There is Asgard, home of the Aesir gods. They're called Aesir gods in mythology and Asgardians in the MCU. Midgard, which is the home of humans. Jotunheim, home of the frost giants, or also called Jotun in both the MCU and Norse mythology. Vanaheim, home of the ancient Vanir gods, known for their magic and seen into the future. Now, this was featured once in Thor The Dark World, but it didn't say anything about the people that were there. It didn't say they were gods or anything, so... They just kind of treated it like any other world, like a human world. They were there. Yeah, exactly. They went there to fight a battle, but it didn't treat the people any differently, even though they're another type of god in mythology. There's Elfheim, which is home of the Light Elves. We have never saw them in the MCU that I know of. Svartalheim, which is home of the dwarves. Now, this is very different from the MCU, where the home of the dwarves is Nidavellir, which is a neutron star. And then there's Helheim, or Hell, home of the dishonorable dead. Now, I'm just going to guess it's it's spelled with one L. Yes. 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 (laughs) The nine worlds in Norse mythology are held in the branches and roots of the world tree, Yggdrasil. Now, the MCU differs in a major way from Norse mythology in that there are physical representations of many things from the realms to the Bifrost Bridge, but not Yggdrasil, the tree that connects everything. Without the tree, there are none of the creatures that live on it in mythology, such as the insulting messenger squirrel, Ratatosker, the hawk, Virofolner, or the trio of Norns, also known as Fates. The tree is very briefly discussed a few times in each of the Thor movies, as well as the first Captain America movie and the first episode of the Disney Plus series What If. It is described 
as that which connects the nine realms. But that's all. Creatures from the different realms are also portrayed as aliens in the MCU, rather than the gods and monsters they are in mythology. There is no space or different planets in mythology, only Earth with different realms. In fact, elements of the cosmos, such as the sun and moon, are personified in mythology, as well as units of time like day and night. So there is a goddess of the sun, Sol, the god of moon, Mani. There is the, the day is the god Dagger, and night is the Jotun, Not. So all of these concepts and things are gods in mythology. So it makes sense that the MCU couldn't depict everything the way it is in mythology. Well, yeah, because then you just kind of take over a whole story. Yeah, like, exactly. You take well, over the entire universe. Yeah, like this, there were no planets. And mm. having the MCU without space and travel to different planets is just not possible. You can't have Guardians of the Galaxy without a galaxy, right? Right. So a lot of these changes do make sense. Outside of the gods, humans, and Jotun, the Nine Realms are inhabited by beings such as elves and dwarves, and travel between the worlds is frequently recounted in various myths. The Rainbow Bridge, called the Bryfrost, allowed gods to travel between Asgard and Midgard. However, unlike the MCU, it was not guarded by Heimdall, and it was literally a rainbow bridge, not some sort of interdimensional portal that led anywhere. One thing the MCU does is they have it lead anywhere and anybody can travel on it, right? But in mythology, only the Aesir gods could travel on it, and it only led to Midgard. So it only led to Earth. So uh, is is Heimdall just an, an, a Marvel creation? No, Heimdall existed. Okay. He was—I I will get into him okay. more later. He, he was at the bridge, but he didn't control it. Right, he, he didn't use his sword as a key. Yeah, no, there was there was no key to the bridge that I could find evidence of. Okay. Now, the afterlife is complex and very important to Norse mythology, even though the MCU barely touches on it. Now, this is probably because it is so complicated and only really applies to the movie Thor Ragnarok, where hell bring, Hela brings mm. all those soldiers back that were buried underneath right. Valhalla. Right. Oh, and just so, so everyone knows, this is coming out... Before, uh, so anyone listening in the future, this is before uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Like, that's when we're recording this. Now, I will do my best at explaining this. The dead, this would be like people of Earth, may go to the murky realm of Hell, ruled over by the goddess Hell. Although in Norse mythology, she is Loki's daughter, not Odin's. Or the dead may be ferried away by Valkyries to Odin's Valhalla, which is a hall in Asgard. Or they may be chosen by the goddess Freya to dwell in her field, Folkvanger. Or there's also people who died at sea could also be taken by a different god. It's, it's... So, so if lot. you die, you're gonna go somewhere. Yes, yes. <laughs> so in Thor Ragnarok, um, Hela, or in mythology she's just Hel, raises dead Asgardians that were laid to rest under the Hall of Valhalla, which is completely made up and had no basis in Norse mythology that I could find. But it looked cool. It did. It did. Just like Fenra raising there. And, well, that's not... That's... Yeah. <laughs> now, 
Ragnarok in the MCU is the destruction of Asgard, while in mythology it refers to the destruction of the cosmos. Some references have a couple of gods and humans surviving to start the cycle all over again. As I said, how it's all about death and rebirth and it's all cyclical. And there's many references to reincarnation as well as the future destruction and rebirth of the world. Now, Norse mythology is made up of numerous stories of the gods and their interactions with various other beings, whether friend, lover, which is very common, or foe, such as the Jotun, which is the frost giants in the MCU. Now, this wide variety of stories makes discovering facts about them difficult, and they also differ a lot from story to story. Kind of like comic books. <laughs> yes, but one line of comics tries to follow the same characteristics. Yeah, but, right? but as soon as you get a new writer and a new artist, uh, it usually changes up everything. Yes. Now, onto the Aesir, known in the MCU as Asgardians, which is a term entirely made up by Marvel. But it also makes a lot of sense, as far as I'm concerned. Right. So I may not catch myself if I say Asgardians... <laughs> because it does make sense. Now, Thor was the most popular god among Scandinavians during the Viking Age. He was also the first of the Norse gods in Marvel Comics and the MCU. In myth, Thor is portrayed as unrelenting in pursuing his enemies. He seeks war and destroys mountains and everything else in his way, using his hammer Mjolnir. Now, this is the Thor of the first Thor movie. Before he's worthy to carry his hammer. Right. Now here's a major difference. He is married to the golden hair goddess Sif in mythology. Ooh. The Sif of mythology is very unlike the brunette warrior friend who has a crush on Thor in the MCU. They have a daughter together, but she also has a son with another father. And Thor has two other children that are not his wife's. Sif is an earth goddess. So when she gets sad, crops don't grow. Okay. In fact, Loki plays a trick on her, just like in the Loki TV series where... Where she knees him in the groin and punches him in the face. Yep, there's a time loop where he cuts off a chunk of her hair. He does this in mythology, and she cries and is so upset that there's an entire season where there's no crops on Earth. Thor beats the crap out of him until he finds a way to get Sif her hair back. And then crops start growing again. Okay. Thor also had red hair and would not be seen without a beard. He is the son of Odin and a giant sometimes depicted as the earth itself. Thor was not the son of Frigga. Uh, so who was his mom? A Jotun. Jo a frost uh, giant. Okay, so Thor was a son of a frost giant. Yes. Not Loki. We are, we'll get into Loki okay, later. All right. Okay, alright. Got it. I'm asking too many questions. Thor, Thor was the legitimate son of Odin. Mm -hmm. Thor is the god of thunder, and as far as fans in the MCU are concerned, thunder is the only thing he's the god of. The Thor in Norse mythology, on the other hand, serves many more functions beyond the creation of lightning and thunder. He's also the god of the tides, fair weather, and good crops. And pancakes. What? No, okay. <laughs> And saying his name could bring one victory on the battlefield, protection from disease, and even fertility. Thor, Thor, Thor. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey. What? I want, I want a protection from disease. Okay. Mjolnir 
also had different powers mythologically, as it was just a one-hit knockout weapon that only the largest of giants could survive. This is seen only once in the MCU, in Thor 2 The Dark World. Early on in the movie, Thor and the other Asgardian warriors are fighting in the realm of Vanheim when he takes out a giant Cronin, so those are those big rock monsters mm-hmm. like Crow, Crog, Crow? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. With just one hit from Mjolnir. Mjolnir could not summon lightning, although it did return to his hand and could shrink to fit in his pocket in mythology. So he's also Hank Pym. Got it. <laughs> just, that, that was a power of Mjolnir, though. Oh, okay. Mjolnir is Hank Pym. Got it. There is also nothing in mythology about one having to be worthy to wield Mjolnir. This was added by Marvel in the first Thor movie. Now, in mythology, Thor wields Mjolnir because he has special gloves and a belt that make him strong enough to use it in battle. Mjolnir also can't help him fly. Instead, in mythology, now you're going to like this one, he is pulled through the sky by a pair of goats. Oh, yeah. And those goats can help him survive basically anywhere because he can eat them for food and they will be reincarnated to be used for flying the next day. Okay, sure. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, you see why they didn't take, Marvel didn't use as much. This is where I bring in my Simpsons references by explaining the short video, The Good, The Bart, and The Loki, released on Disney Plus following the Loki series. It is based entirely on the MCU characters, and so does many things wrong compared to mythology, including the main premise that shows Lisa defeating Loki because she is worthy enough to wield Mjolnir. Onto Odin and Frigga, or Frigg is another name she's called by, which, side note, the name Friday originates from the name Frigga. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thursday is Thursday. Yep. Right. First, it's important to realize that Odin was not a popular god with the ancient Norse people, even though he was a god of war. He also avoided or gave up many typical masculine traits in his pursuit of knowledge and poetry. The Norse warrior men did not want to look up to someone who didn't have the typical masculine traits and who brushed them aside for poetry, which makes sense of Manly men don't want to do that sort of stuff. So, so should I hide my book of poetry that I have here on my desk? No. Or I'm more like Odin now. I have no problem with that. <laughs> well, and the thing is, it's not that Odin didn't like war at all. There's so many different stories, it's really hard to tell. He wasn't, from what I can tell, the purely peaceful god that he is in the MCU, but he also wasn't someone that typical Viking warriors looked up to because even though he was a warrior he valued knowledge and poetry above all else okay now he is described very differently from tale to tale with some describing him as the ruthless warmonger and others a ruler who sought only knowledge and not power odin is the ruler of asgard and leader of the aesir gods known as asgardians in the mcu He loses an eye during the war with the Jotun at the beginning of the first Thor movie in the MCU, but in mythology, he gave it up in exchange for knowledge. He is married to Frigga in both, and she is the goddess of marriage and fertility in mythology. 
Now, unfortunately, we don't know enough about Frigga in the MCU to know if she is the goddess of anything specific. But we do know that she is a skilled magic user since she taught Loki. Right. Which is also true in mythology. Frigga has two or three children, depending on the source, <laughs> all fathered by Odin. So look at this. This is this is unique for mythology. Right. One parent to your children. There are Balder, which is the golden child, the god of light. It sounds like I would like him. Balder. Hod or Hermod, who is blind, but also the god of speed. And Tyr, the god of war. A god of war, sorry. Because Odin is also a god of war. Okay, I find that kind of funny. Uh, a god of speed who's blind, so yes. he can run really fast yes. into a wall. I, Got it, I, okay. I thought so too, <laughs> yes. Tyr is the god that is absent in many sources. It's thought that... So probably the middle child. Well... It's thought because the name is so close to Thor that maybe it got and maybe mixed up got in mixed references. Up. Right. Yes, exactly. Now, in looking at the traits of these kids, it looks like the MCU combined the sons Balder and Tyr into Thor, even though mythologically Thor is Odin's son with a giantess. Right. He's a separate child, but just Balder being the son of light and he's this perfect child and Tyr being a god of war... With the name Tyr, T-Y-R, instead of right. Thor. Anyways, that's that's my take Are on you it, saying that after hundreds of years of passing down story to story, and then finally they have them written down, they may have gotten mixed up a little bit? Well, plus there's the translations from language to language, mm -hmm. and from written to oral, and back and forth. It's, yeah, they likely got mixed up. At least they didn't find it under a well. <laughs> Not that we know of. <laughs> In mythology... Odin has a horse with eight legs that can be seen for a brief moment in the first Thor movie. You really have to look for it, but it's there. Odin uses the horse to fly around the nine realms in mythology. He also had two wolves that he created to keep himself company because Frigga didn't actually live with him. And he also, it's said that he created them to help protect Midgard. Then he also had two ravens that fly all over the Nine Realms collecting information for him. Now that is the main family. You notice I didn't mention Loki. Right. Now we're on to Loki's family. Loki, Hel, Fenrir. The, those are the main ones in the MCU, but you will find out there's much, many more. Now, Loki is my favorite character in the entire MCU, and not just because I absolutely love Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> they are also by far the most complex character in both mythology and the MCU. You have to admit. Well, right, absolutely. <laughs> He's definitely one of the most interesting characters. Also, the MCU portrays them very differently from mythology. Loki is a frost giant and child of Lofri. However, Lofri was their mother, mythologically, not father. Loki is most commonly depicted as male, but changes gender frequently. So, so like in the Loki series, he is gender fluid. Yes. Got it. They may be the world's first pansexual gender-fluid character. And, as you just said, the MCU does even talk about that in the Loki series. Loki will literally have sex with anyone or thing, and has even physically given birth in some stories. Which obviously isn't part of the MCU. Yet. Yes, true. In fact, there's still season two coming. But the thing is, <laughs> the other, the other Asgardians... 
in the MCU are portrayed a lot nicer than they were in mythology as well. Mm-hmm. Malt, like, Frigga is the only one who only had one father to her children. All of the others had multiple partners for their children. And Odin also changed into animals from time to time, just as as, as gods tend to do. Exactly. Now, even though Loki is a frost giant, they live in Asgard and are blood brothers with Odin. Now, a lot of younger people might not know what a blood brother is, but we do, right? Right. Uh, it's, it's not a brother by blood. It, it is uh, when you make a bond. Yeah, you uh, physically... You, you, this you, you, you cut your hand, they cut their hand, you hold them together, and... and uh, it, It's referred to, yeah, as a blood bond. It's a promise. It's very, very bad to try yeah, <laughs> these days. Don't, don't do it now. There's lots don't, of diseases and don't, stuff. Don't even cut yourself for anything. But okay? it, used, it used to be common. Yeah. And was even featured in various books and movies in the... Actually, I think they even did that in, in Stand By Me. Uh, they, they all... Uh, Cut themselves to, or even in the it lately, they had a, a blood bond. Yes, in the original it, they did have a blood bond. Yeah, they all promised to come back. Yeah, um, so that's what blood brothers are. So they're not related at all, but they obviously were friends enough to make a strong pact with each other. Loki and Odin do various quests together, even though Loki is a trickster god, constantly playing pranks and pissing people off. So, similar. Got it. Yes. They also use their mischievous nature to help the Asgardians, which was probably why they were invited to live in Asgard. There's even one tale that states that Loki is likely the one who got Odin his immortality. It doesn't explain a lot. It just says that that's likely why he was invited to live in Asgard. Now, unlike the MCU, they don't seem seem to have any desire to rule over anyone. Just have fun, even if it means others suffer. In one prank, they trick Odin's blind son into killing his brother, Baldur, the god of light, the shining one, the favorite. Now this results in Loki's banishment from Asgard, as he's banished multiple times in the various movies and as is Thor, banished. And punished by having two of their children killed in front of them. One is turned into a wolf and forced to kill the other one. They then, Aesir's, then use the one child's intestines to tie Loki to a rock. And above which they have a giant serpent dripping venom into their eyes constantly. They are sentenced to remain there until the cosmos is destroyed during Ragnarok. Now, Loki's wife, yeah, no kidding, is so loyal that she remains by their side, holding a bowl over them to catch the venom before it strikes the eyes. Now, obviously, she needs to go empty the bowl every once in a while, so there's still venom striking their eyes. But, yep, in mythology, Loki had a wife and numerous children. And as I mentioned, they even gave birth to children. Loki gave birth to Odin's eight-legged horse. (laughs) All right. Now, he transformed himself into a mare to sleep with the horse and then gave birth to... Sure. Why not? Yeah, okay. This is mythology. Now, Sigyn, which is Loki's wife, was mother 
to Narfi, the son whose intestines were used to restrain Loki, Vali, another child of Loki's whose mother is unknown, was turned into the wolf, the Asgardians. Sorry, the Aesir forced him to kill Narfi in front of the parents. Loki also had three children with another frost giant. They were the giant wolf Fenrir, who is in the MCU, Mm -hmm. a giant snake, most commonly referred to as the Midgard Serpent, and Hel, the goddess of death, known in the MCU as Hela. So Hela in Norse mythology is Loki's Loki's daughter, daughter. not Odin's daughter. Yes. Got it. And she is the ruler of Hel, the the realm named after her. Right. The ancient Norse believed that if a man died off of the battlefield, they would go to Hel and be forced to serve her for eternity in her realm of ice and darkness. She also had no desire to rule anywhere else like she does in the MCU. At least not that I could find. This mm. this is all based on stories. So, so it's it, honestly, it sounds a lot like, uh, the Norse sound a lot like the Klingons, where they, <gasps> they always want to die in battle. Yes, yes. And if you just grow old and die, you don't go to Stolvalkor or... Or Valhalla. Valhalla. Or the other nicer places. That, right. Yes, that's... Okay, cool. Klingon were probably taken... Were probably based on this. Inspired Star Trek. Yes. It's very likely. So now, Heimdall. In Norse mythology, Heimdall is called the Shining God... Because he was the lightest skins of, skinned of all the gods. Well, he does have really pretty eyes. It is said that his skin is as white as snow, which is rather ironic considering the MCU cast Idris Elba. Not saying it was bad. I love no, Idris no, Elba. Idris Elba's a fantastic just, it's guy. kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. Now, in mythology, Heimdall guards the Bifrost. So he does guard it, but all he does is blow his horn when Ragnarok arrives. He doesn't control the bridge. Okay. There's no big sword to use to, because it's just a bridge. Right. Now, the other major Asgardian would be the Valkyries, mm-hmm. or Valkyrie in the MCU. Well, actually, no, they, it, it, she was a, a part of a group of Valkyrie, so. But we only get to know the one character. Right, because the rest of them died. The Valkyries were a group of women warriors who had individual names, and I think she even tells them her name near the end of that movie. I don't recall, though. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. The MCU just names the sole surviving Valkyrie. Now, they flew over battlefields collecting the strongest, bravest warriors at the moment of their death to bring them to Odin's Valhalla, where they fight and feast until Ragnarok. When not out on the battlefield, the Valkyries served Odin and the men in Valhalla Hall. So it's actually kind of sad, in my opinion. The Valkyries are these brave warrior women who, when they're not out on the battlefield collecting dying soldiers, they are serving. They're basically serving witches. (laughs) Now, the Valkyries could come from any race and were often chosen due to visions various means had. But overall, it looks like Odin assigned them their duties. Valkyries either had wings or flew on winged horses, depending on the story. Now, this is where that flashback scene in Thor Ragnarok comes in, where the Valkyries are attacking Hela on flying horses. Mm -hmm. Now, that seems fairly accurate, since it portrays them as brave warrior women, even though that wasn't their primary role. That, it 
I believe that would probably happen in Ragnarok because they would probably take the side of Odin, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. fight against Hel or in the MCU, Hela. Right. So that seems to make a lot of sense. It didn't actually happen in mythology, but if you're basing it on mythology... And it looked epic. It did look really awesome. Now, some of the other notable differences between the MCU and the Norse mythology include... Now, in Norse mythology, there is no destroyer. Because Odin is powerful enough to protect Asgard by himself. In the MCU, Thanos, waiting to make his big move until after Odin is dead, is a really great representation of Odin's power and strength. Okay. So he didn't, in the first Thor movie, there was that big mechanical destroyer thing Mm -hmm. that didn't exist in mythology. Now, as far as, there's also Surtur, um does destroy Asgard in Ragnarok, just like the MCU, but he does not bring it about all on his own. He's not nearly as powerful as the MCU makes him out to be. There are a variety of other beings who must be released in order for the prophecy of Ragnarok to be fulfilled, especially Loki, Fenrir, and the wolves who chase the sun and moon. Loki and Hunter... There seems to be a lot of wolves. Oh, there are a lot of okay. wolves. But think, this is Northern Europe. Yep. Snow and yeah, cold. Well, where's the bears? <laughs> I, I can't tell you that. Yeah, there are, yeah. unrelated to this, but there but are anyway, the wolves are really cool, Berserkers. so that's, that's fine. I have no problem with wolves. Now, in Ragnarok, Loki and Heimdall kill one another when Loki and their allies attack Asgard and officially begin Ragnarok. Odin and Fenrir, Loki's son that's the wolf, the mm. giant wolf, kill each other as well, as do Thor and the Midgard Serpent. Ragnarok is the end of everything, not just Asgard, but some lore does have two humans and a few gods surviving to start over, start everything over again. Mm-hmm. Everyone dies in Ragnarok. Odin, Loki, Thor, everyone, basically. Many of the most famous Marvel Asgardians don't exist in mythology. Now, this would be where, why they chose Norse mythology for the MCU and for their comics in general, because they could make up stuff as they went along, mm-hmm. make up characters. So, like the Thor's friends, the Warriors Three, there's no mention of them. Malekith the Accursed, the Dark Elf. Well, Dark Elves in mythology were dwarves. There are no other Dark Elves. And Scourge the Executioner from Thor Ragnarok, nope, didn't exist. But that's pretty much all i have okay that's well, a lot to take that is in. a lot of stuff there's also you got to remember that everything is based it's it's very circumstantial it's hard to tell what's what which also makes it would have made it easier to base things on norse mythology because there are no real definitions of what's what yeah and, <laughs> right and uh yeah the thing is the mcu have done fantastic with telling their stories now i'm going to go through a whole bunch of things where they also talk about norse mythology and other realms of pop culture it, like for instance we already talked about how marvel has used uh but they also in their comic books there's a lot more Oh, yeah, mythology. absolutely. Uh, but once again, I'm just going to mention that they yeah. did it. Because if I, I could be here for another hour just talking about that. But yeah, in the Marvel Universe, the North, Norse pantheon and related elements play a prominent part, especially Thor, who has been the longest-running superheroes for the company. Odin, Thor, Loki, and several other beings 
and places in Norse mythology have recurring roles in Neil Gaiman's Sandman graphic novel series. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, so so technically, um, Lucifer, uh, being a Sandman spinoff, continues this trend, having Loki and Signan appear briefly. So now Lucifer could actually have uh, North Norse people come into to their show as well. So. I think that's pretty cool. That they probably is. won't because it's the final season coming up. But anyway, that's really cool. The American graphic novel Gods of Asgard by Eric Evanson is an adaptation of several of the Norse myths. Comic miniseries Hammer of the Gods uh, from Insight Studios Group uh, uses the world of Norse myths as a setting. The graphic novel series Norse Myths, a Viking graphic novel series, adapts several of the Norse myths for early readers. And that, that so far is just the American comics. There's a Danish comic book series uh, called Valhalla. It's based on Norse myths, of course. Uh, and there's a Belgian comic book series, Thorgal, is based on Norse mythology. But it also uses Atlantean stuff in it as well. Now, in manga and anime, the Norse pantheon of heroes are the main characters of the Japanese manga and anime Mante Loki Ragnarok. Loosely translated, the mythical detective Loki Ragnarok. <laughs> the Man Manhua series Ragnarok by Myung Jin Lee, I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names, by the way, is based on North mythology. Vinland Saga takes place in Iceland in 11th century Europe, which makes many references to North mythology. In History's Strongest Disciple Kenchi, the protagonists fight against a gang of a gang organization known as Ragnarok. Each of the eight fists were named after a, a figure in Norse mythology. Oh my goodness! That's the name of the show. Oh! Exclamation point! My goodness! Exclamation point! Has aspects of Norse mythology. Sorry, and that's the, the manga, by the way. Attack on Titan also has prominent themes of Norse mythology. I've never seen it, so I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was. Sword Art Online has characters and stories based on North mythology. High School DXD, it's either DXD or D by D, I don't know. Once again, I'm not, I'm not a big manga and anime person, so I, I apologize, sorry. Uh, has North mythological creatures and gods in the light novel and anime. There's oh, now web comics. Sparkling Generation Valkyrie Yuki is a web comic featuring Yuki. It features many representations of Norse mytholo mythological figures in a modern modern day setting. Brathalla is a mythology web comic about Norse gods during their elementary school days. <laughs> the Order of the Stick features the North pantheon deities, including Thor, Sif, Loki, and Odin. Stand Still, Stay Silent by Finnish-Swede illustrator and cartoonist Mina Sandberg is a post-apocalyptic webcomic with elements from North mythology. So, and I'm, I'm, there's probably a whole bunch more other webcomics out there, but those are the ones I've been able to find so far. Now, literature. Not, not talking comic books or, or manga. This is books, like actual books. Stephanie Edgeley of the Skullduggery Peasant Novel series took up the name Valkyrie Kane. So... After yeah, Valkyrie. And the Valkyries. The Victorian adventure writer H. Ryder Haggard wrote an epic adventure in the style of the Nor Nordic sagas. And that's 1890 is when that came out. So various Norse gods are referenced in the book The Ballad of the White Horse. The incomplete 
Enchanter, uh, the protagonist finds himself in Asgard, where he allies himself with Acer and as Ragnarok approaches. So he allies himself with what the MCU would call the Asgardians. Right. Because the Aesir gods. Yeah. The Broken Sword is inspired by Norse sagas featuring numerous Norse gods. Later, in The Sorrow of Odin the Goth, part of his Time Patrol series suggests that Odin was originally a 20th century American time traveler who visited several generations of early of early the wandering Goths. <laughs> Uh, the Day of the Giants tells the tale of Ragnarok happening in near-future science fiction setting. Argentinian writer Jorge Luis Borges has mentioned various Norse gods among his life's work. J.R.R. Tolkien. Yes. His fantasy works The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, and The Similarian were adapted by its author to be heavily influenced by the myths of the Northern Europeans. As that work became popular, elements of its fantasy world moved steadily into the popular perceptions of the fantasy genre. Yes, absolutely. The light elves mm -hmm. that, and dwarves and even the names like Midgard. And yep. Yeah, no. Uh, definitely makes me think of Lord of the Rings. Children's writer Alan Gardner borrowed many Norse concepts, such as the tale of Freya's necklace. Diana Wins Jones' novel, Eight Days of Luke is an allegory of the Norse gods. The Book of the Dun Cow combines Norse legends with biblical themes. Douglas Adams referenced the Norse god Thor in his book Life, the Universe, and Everything. David Drake's Northworld... Okay, by the way, I'm only about halfway through these books. David Drake's Northworld trilogy retells series of Norse mythology in a science fiction setting. Nick Primov involves Norse gods, creatures, and events in his fantasy novel, God's Doom. Various characters from Norse mythology inspire the naming and characterization of those in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. For example, the werewolf, Fenrir Greyback, and the Death Eater, Thorfinn Rowald. Ah, yes. There's also giants. Giants, yep. Magic users. I'm sure, sure there's probably elves in there somewhere. <laughs> or fairies. There's at there's, least fairies. There's house elves. House elves. There you go. <laughs> the novels Blood Tide and Blood Song by children's Arthur Melvin Burgess are loosely based on the Volsunga saga legend. Michael Jan Friedman's Vidar trilogy presents Norse gods in both Asgard and the contemporary world. Odin, Loki, and several other Norse myth mythological figures are major characters in Neil Gaiman's novel series American Gods. So, Neil Gaiman loves uh, the, the Norse mythology stuff. Yep. Sea of the Trolls is heavily influenced by Norse mythology. Also, its sequel, The Land of the Silver Apples, is based on Norse mythology. The Thrall's Tale is heavily influenced by Norse mythology. Rune Marks is based on Norse legends. Greg Van Eyck's debut novel, Norse Code, tells the story of Ragnarok set in a quickly deteriorating Los Angeles. <laughs> The Halo series, from the game Halo, but the book, the Halo series Contact Harvest takes place on the planet Harvest, which contains many references to Norse mythology. The Tales from the Word, that's W-Y-R-D, Word Museum Trilogy heavily utilizes Norse mythology. Witches of East End is about immortal witches that are actually Norse gods, including Freya, Loki, and Baldur. 
Yep, I watched that TV series. <laughs> the Ragnarok Conspiracy is a contemporary thriller centered on a plot by terrorists to instigate a global war between Western and Islamic nations. Rick Rejoran has started Magnus Chase in The Gods of Asgard, a trilogy based on North mythology. And I'm sure there's even more books out there. But once yeah. again, this is just what I found so far. This is just the fiction that has some basis in yes. Norse mythology. Yeah. And now, now we're going to get into some music. Okay. <laughs> uh, Norse mythology influenced Richard Wagner's use of the literary themes from, its, from it to compose four operas. Wadurna is a Norwegian musical project with the purpose of exploring and evoking the deep Norse wisdom and spirituality. Mats Wendt based his neo-romantic 16-hour symphonic suite Eden on the chronological reconstruction of the Norse myths. Borzum is a Norwegian black metal band whose lyrics and imagery are often inspired by Norse mythology. Swedish symphonic metal band Therian based many of its lyrics on Norse mythology. Norwegian symphonic metal band Leaves Eyes released Vinland Saga concept album based on Saga of Eric the Red and Njord, based on Norse mythology in general. German heavy metal band Rebellion recorded three Norse-based albums called The History of the Vikings, and that's a, a trilogy, so there's three of them with that name. German pagan folk band Fawn's album Buch de Balden features Norse mythology, mythological elements. Other bands and song include Led Zeppelin, The Immigrant Song, Jethro Tull, The Cold Wind to Valhalla, Uriah Heep, Rainbow Demon, several songs by Blind Guardian, Canadian musician Melissa Andermar's second studio album, Out of Our Minds, is centered on Norse mythology. Mischief Storm, they're an American rap duo, their debut album uh, references music, their music references expands and bases on North mythology, and many, many, many Russian bands also use Norse mythology as the main theme of their lyrics. Uh, I could go on for days on just the music. You name it. Oh, there's so much stuff. <laughs> now, now we're getting to live action TV. <laughs> we're not, not into the, the animation yet. Just live action. The Norwegian language Netflix drama. Ragnarok. I watched that. Features a boy who is discovered who discovers he is Thor battling a family of frost giants in human form in the modern down modern day town of Edda. Several of the Norse gods feature prominently in the Danish miniseries Jul i Valhall. Miniseries Dark Kingdom, the Dragon King, aka <sighs> Niblugen. <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm not uh, fluent in this language, English. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's based on Nibelungenlied, the TV series Stargate SG One. Regularly, regularly features as the Asgard race. In the fifth season of the TV series Hercules: The Legendary Journeys, the episodes Norse by Norse Vest and Somewhere Over the Rainbow Bridge depicts Hercules traveling to Asgard and being thrust into major conf conflict among the Viking Norse gods. Good titles. Yeah, Norse by Norse West. 
somewhere <laughs> over the Rainbow Bridge. Yep. Odin and Valkyries appear a few times in the television series Xena, Warrior Princess. In Metalpocalypse, uh, the characters both seem, both seem to show some belief in Norse mythology. The television series Doctor Who has referenced the Norse Twilight of the Gods in the story The Curse of Fenric. The television series Supernatural has referenced the Norse Vanir in a season one episode as gods that local Scandinavian des- descendant brought with them. Supernatural also has four episodes that involves being believed to be Loki the trickster. There's also, for Doctor Who, there's also when the Doctor makes that old, that Viking girl immortal. The one right. placed by Ma- Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. He makes her immortal. And yeah. So. Thor was the main subject in episode 10 of Clash of the Gods. New Zealand television series The Almighty Johnsons is centered on a family who are all reincarnations of Norse gods. Vikings is a Canadian TV series loosely based on the legendary Viking Ragnar Lobrock. True Blood features a vampire named Eric Northman, who was once a Viking prince and now the owner of Shreveport, Louisiana-based nightclub Fantasia. Yes, of Eric. <laughs> He's pretty awesome. Uh, now, we talked about this one a little bit earlier, the television series Witches of East End. Yep. Based on the book by the same name, is about witches from Asgard. Yeah, the TV series doesn't really say they're from Asgard, but they get the name that the names are the right. same, like Freya. Mm. Cayman Rider Game, a Japanese Tosaku television series, makes many references to Norse mythology. The American Gods TV series features Norse mythological figures, being an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's novel American Gods. And finally, Victor Mantegal is a Filipino television series set in the modern world after the events of Ragnarok, where most of the Norse gods are already dead, including Thor. Well, if it's after Ragnarok, then yeah. Yeah. Thor, Loki, <laughs> Odin. <laughs> now, we're, now we're into animation. The 1990s Disney animated series, Gargoyles. Featured Eye of the Storm, set in modern Norway as the 13th episode of the so-called Avalon World Tour story arc, where Goliath is involved in what accumulates in the return of Odin's missing right eye to him. The cartoon series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and She-Ra, Princess of Power, both filmation studios, are embedded with Astro Norse traditions including Hailing the Honored Dead, Hailing Victory and Ancestors, Magical Weaponry, Mirror Skyring, and Divination. A winged sorceress who is the subliminal incarnation of Freya, but dispenses wisdom, is featured. And Adora, She-Ra, is the incarnation of Valkyrie. The original DuckTales series features an episode called Maid of the Myth, which Mrs. Beakley is mistaken for Broomhilda. The episode also features a cameo from Thor. Oh, <laughs> The 2017 reboot of Disney's DuckTales features Rumble for Ragnarok, where a wrestling tournament is held in Valhalla every decade to determine the destruction of the Earth. Well, that does actually make sense. Mythologically, they did fight and feast in Valhalla. (laughs) Ding, ding. (laughs) And I'm sure there's even more animation, but uh, I thought those ones were were fun. Uh, In film, the title characters from the 1958 film The Vikings are active Odin worshippers. Eric the Viking, featuring Tim Robbins, is loosely based on the myths. Jim Carrey, playing a man whose life has changed after he stumbles upon a mask possessing the powers of the Norse god Loki. 
in the mask. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, son of the mask, which don't bother. <laughs> Adventures in babysitting. Uh, one of the kids mistakes uh, a mechanic uh, as Thor because, well, he's got a hammer and he's big and he's blonde. Ingmar Bergman's The Virgin Spring provides a meditation on the persistence of the old religion in medieval Christian Sweden when the dark energy of Odin is unleashed by a character's secret worship of the god. The DreamWorks animation series How to Train Your Dragon features Vikings who make a few references to the Norse gods Odin and Thor and show passages written in runes. Now on to some video games. The Ragnarok Online universe contains many references to North mythology, of course. Tomb Raider Underworld uses Norse mythology keystones, named names and artifacts as its main plot basis. In StarCraft, four of the 15 Zerg broods are named Fenris, Garm, Jogamand, Suter, and there is an overlord hero called Yugastil. I, I might be pronouncing that completely wrong. The role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons has included Norse gods as optional elements since publication of its deities and demigods sourcebook. The tri-ace role-playing game Valkyrie Profile Leneth is based on North mythology. Max Payne and Max Payne 2 The Fall of Max Payne both have several references to Norse mythology. In the Final Fantasy series, various characters and items are named after elements of Norse mythology. The Norse are playable faction in Ensemble Studios' Age of Mythology. In Halo, the player's character Master Chief was a, wears a special type of armor called Mjolnir. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I didn't that. realize that either. Too Human has a story based on Norse mythology where it is interpreted that gods are actually cybernetically enhanced humans. Viking Battle for Asgard is set in Midgard where the forces of Hel and Freya battle for dominance. In EVE Online, many advanced spaceships and items associated with the Minimar race have names based on Norse mythology, including the Ragnarok-class Titan. <laughs> Castle of the Winds, the freeware shareware RPG for Windows, many of the characters and places and names and weapons are named after Norse mythology. The superhero game Marvel Ultimate Alliance features the Marvel Comics versions of Thor, as one of the major playable characters of the, and the features of Norse characters and realms in the focus. Another Marvel Comics-related game, Thor, God of Thunder, was released as a tie-in to the 2011 film Thor. A Neverwinter Nights and Neverwinter Nights 2 persistent world called Markshire is influenced heavily by Norse mythology. In Odin Sphere, one of the five warlords is the demon Lord Odin, who commands an army of Valkyrie warriors. Rune is a third-person hack-and-slash game featuring a young Viking warrior on a fantasy quest based around Norse mythology. In the video game series Fire Emblem, several weapons are named after figures and objects in Norse mythology. In the video game Tales of Symphonia, Hemdal, Ymir, Fenrir, and Yagastril are taken from Norse mythology. The video game Ben-Hur, Blood of the Braves, players can race with chariots through Asgard. In the video game La Terre, Norse mythology is a recurrent to many of the games themselves. In the video game Heroes of New Earth, playing as a Valkyrie is possible. The Shin Megami 
Tensei Persona video game series contains several Norse gods and beings as summonable personas. In the video game Xenogears, names were taken from Norse mythology. The MMORPG RuneScape has a few notable Norse mythological links. In the MMO Dark Age of Camelot, there are three playable realms, one of which is called Midgard. The video game Magicka is loosely based on Norse mythology. The role-playing game The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim is heavily influenced by Norse mythology in its setting. Yes, they even have they even have Valhalla near the end there. Well, there you where go. Where all the the good warriors. It's it's almost like you played that game very recently. Yeah, it's almost like I played hundreds of hours of it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. In the Heroes of the Storm, playable hero Tychus can call down the Odin. In the PC MOBA, Smite, several playable gods are from the Norse pantheon. The puzzle platform game Moonin is about Odin's raven Moonin. The video game Dark Souls, there's a large sword-wielding wolf named Sif. In the role-playing game Etrian Odyssey, the Yogstril tree is a... Re- is that, am I pronouncing that right? Yggdrasil. Well, it's... Yeah, okay, Yggdrasil tree is a recurring plot element of great relevance and significance that appears on on every game of the series. Oh, cool. In the video game Hellblade, Sinew's Sacrifice, Norse mythology plays a key role in design of the world and enemies. In the 2018 game God of War is loose, loosely based on Norse mythology. O- almost done, games. I'd like to add one that's maybe just my interest in Norse mythology, but I believe that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, there's a group of people who live on the islands that I'm positive they're based on the Vikings. Okay, Uh, I'll take your word for that. I've not played the game. There's many games I haven't played. In fact, 99.9% of these games I have not played. I'm not a gamer. There goes more nerd credit. How am I a nerd doing this show? Anyway... In the 2021 sequel, God of War Ragnarok depicts events of the Ragnarok and feature Thor, Odin, and other deities as major antagonists of the game. In the PC space simulator Free Space, names for starships are derived from the Norse mythology. In Pokemon X and Y, the legendary trio Zerntress, Ventral, and Zygdra are based upon creatures from Norse mythology. The game Jotun uses mythology as a setting. Well, Jotun are the Frost Giants. Yep. The Bayonetta franchises make multiple references to Norse mythology. Warriors Okri 4 adds Norse and Greek deities to its selection of characters. One of the bosses in Mega Man 04 is based on Fenrir. In Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, the Keyblade Master Instructor of Xenart and Ekras is named Master Odin, with a design based on Greg Van Rosen's 1893 depiction of Odin the Wanderer. And finally, I don't know if you realize this could be part of it, Assassin's Creed Valhalla (laughs) is based heavily on Viking history as well as Norse mythology. Yeah, and that's part of why I say uh, Witcher Wild Hunt, because there is a group of people who live entirely on the islands and yep. are definitely Viking-inspired. Yep. And now, this is one, something I'm really happy for, that, that I was able to... I, I completely forgot about this. Rooster Teeth Productions' web series Ruby features the character Nora Valkyrie. 
Not only does her last name reference the female warriors who would lead Viking champions to Valhalla, but she also alludes to Thor. Her weapon is a hammer slash grenade launcher known as Mangild, which she uses with uncanny strength. Her semblance is the production and channeling of electricity similar to how Thor is the god of thunder. Yep. Uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game has a series of cards based on Norse gods and other mythological creatures, and the Space Wolves chapter of the Space Marines in Warhammer 40,000 are heavily influenced by Norse mythology. And I'm done. I, I, so that's it? There's no more Norse mythology? There's, that's it. The Norse, uh, it's gone. It's uh, all done. So Norse mythology is a big part of our world. <sighs> Like we've been we've been going for an hour over an hour so far. <laughs> this is our longest podcast to date. Yes, it's also evolving as we go. Yes. So that's about it for Norse mythology and the MCU. If you'd like to, please subscribe and give us a positive rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. As I said, this podcast is evolving, so send us your thoughts, suggestions, or questions at diggingdeeperwiththeancients at gmail.com, and we may post some more pictures on our Instagram, diggingdeeperwiththeancients. All one word. Yeah, and thank you for listening, and if you've made it this far, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, we went on a little bit too in my opinion a little bit too long but honestly if you've been it this far you enjoyed it so thank you for staying